You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. Well, this is, um, I think, my fourth or fifth time seeing this little masterpiece. Um, it, it grows on me more and more. I loved it the first time I saw it. Um, so congratulations to you both. Couldn't be more timely. Um, I thought one place to start, I, I met Stephen this afternoon and I met Claire uh, 11 minutes ago just before the film started. Um, so this was your brainchild, I take it, Claire? Hello. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, the Financial Times asked me to write something because they had a new platform, which was journalism, but with the creative arts. So they wanted something which brought both together, and they wanted to do something by the border. So they asked me to write a film, and then I wrote that and asked Stephen to do it. Couple very good decisions on your part and on theirs. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about? what writing the film meant. Um, the prose, which is fabulous, the, 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 the rhymes, the, the sort of irregular rhymes of it work, I think, beautifully. Stephen executes them beautifully. Um, so you wrote the text. How much of the, how much of the screenplay, as it were, how much of the, of the direction did you... Uh, uh, well, the text is mine, but then the... Every, all the brilliance that you see on screen was the fantastic team that the Financial Times put together. So there was a great director of photography, you know, they, they really did their work. And Juliet, the director, was fantastic, wasn't she? Um, and it just was very beautiful and very simple. And Stephen actually chose the location because it's something that he was really familiar with. Um, and what is the location? It's a place called Candy between um, Derry. <laughs> 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 it's between um, Derry and uh, County Derry and County Dublin. And I, I cross that bridge every time I go to Dublin. And my kids used to love it because of that weird, beautiful bridge. And it's gorgeous, it's like you're going into a magic place and everything. So I just, and actually it was incredible in that. You know, to think that that's something like, with a threat, you know. It was brilliant. That bridge is the, um, there's, a, there's a shop which goes right in the middle of the bridge and that's the border. That's exactly where you cross the border. So it was lovely that Steve was able to stand there and speak the words. And um, can you talk a little bit about, since this theme is cultural intervention, it's not as if a kind of journalism you've written is not a cultural intervention, it is, but this seems more thickly cultural an intervention than writing an article for the Irish Times or for the Observer. I don't know. I, I suppose I definitely wasn't thinking of it as a cultural intervention when I was sitting at my laptop for the <laughs> um, or getting up early in the morning to, you know, try and finish it off or whatever, you know. I was just thinking, what does it mean for us here on this island? What do people, you know, what do we feel? I suppose, 
I should start a bit further back before the Financial Times asked me to do it, before I even knew that I would be asked. I was really aware of what I was hearing on the news, what people were saying, that the, the, that magical thinking that the EU accused the UK of, and, and that sort of leapt out to me every time I heard it. And then I kept, once you notice something, you keep noticing other instances. So all those quotes which at the end of the film were listed, you know, are real quotes because I kept hearing it. And I mean, you're, you're living here and you're hearing the opinion of other people about what's going to happen to your country. It's very, you know, kind of really catchy. you. So I wanted to, that's what I wanted to convey, I think. And, and also to know that identity is imagination, so that's what we're dealing with and that's why nobody can figure it out, because it's not part of the past. So I think that was the genesis of it. I wasn't trying to intervene. <laughs> in the version of the film I saw, the sort of footnotes for the quotes appear in the back. I'm not sure if that played for us. I think it cut off just before. So you, I think it was W. W.C. Field said that people who stopped to read footnotes are like people who go down to answer the doorbell on their wedding night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put the footnotes in the back. Um, which was which was an interesting move. Um, it leaves one a little bit disoriented at the beginning. I guess Toby Reese. Toby Young. That was the main. Toby Young yeah. and Jacob Reese. Jacob Reese. I guess those are sort of household names within the, on these islands in this debate. Yeah. But yeah. It, for us, for, for me, it was Boris. Boris and those. But but. <laughs> First of all, the self-consciousness about political language, which is the thing we were talking about this morning, and I kept telling people, you know, see this film tonight, it's really doing the thing we're talking about. Um, that self-consciousness about the medium of political language, uh, and the sort of satirist's impulse to impersonation, right? because there's a, there's a sort of impersonation of those uh, comments, it isn't just a, a quotation of them. Um, that, that struck me as a kind of a bold move for a way to Kind of carry the thing forward. Did you get on that right away, or is it something you? Well, again, I think it's because I, I read an article by Toby Young, and I've never met Toby Young, so I have no personal beef with him. But I, it made me so angry. It was an article in the Spectator, and he said, Poof, "There hasn't been a hard border since 1923, so I don't know why nobody's getting into it." And I thought, "Oh, well, that's weird because my mother comes from Cork." And since I was a baby, all the way through to being adult, I went to Cork across the border at least six times a year. And there was police vans and armies showing the lights into the back of the car, and the car was searched. And there was, you know, there definitely was a hard border, but it was printed in the Spectator, and lots of people who don't know about it probably have read it and then thought, hasn't been hard border in Ireland since 1923 or so. So since I got the opportunity to reply to Toby Young, I think. <laughs> and not only that, you got a man to play the part of... Yeah, he said that's my favorite thing that Stephen does. <laughs> it's like the sort of hour of Toby Young. <laughs> it's a great kind of Swiftian watch of the, of the, of the film. Um, so... Uh, Anger. Um, we were talking this morning about the difference between uh, rage and anger. And uh, Amanda Anderson said, um, 
you know, I'm not for rage, what we need is anger, anger is what's productive. And I asked Oprah, what about outrage? And she said, no, I'm okay with that. Um, you do outrage really well. Yeah. yeah, you do outrage really well. And it's, um, it, it doesn't actually feel like rage, it feels like the outrage, anger part of this, part of the spectrum. Um, this must have given you a lot of pleasure to do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I'm, I'm fantastic. It, uh, you know, she, she's a wonderful writer, and you read it, and you think, well, that'd be great to speak. You know, that's the only bar in Dr. Haas. And, um, yeah, I loved it. And, and I, I loved it because the language was not um, aggressive, or it was just reasonable and decent and experienced and it made you feel that, that she was representing people in a way that, um, that their needs should be met. It's not, not a big deal. Um, we just want to live in a certain way. And the, the arrogance of the, the British over this whole Brexit thing has been shot. And uh, it will impinge on their own lives, but it's the idea that, oh, we're going to do everything to stop the backstop. It's crazy. And of course, that's because they depend on the DUP for their votes and everything. But, you know, they to plunge us back in time is absolutely unthinkable. So I went off and read, since we talked this afternoon, I went off and read the um, article about you in the Independent. You want to talk about the trouble you made there? It's, it sounds like you did good work. Oh, oh this morning? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Well, I did see it. Um, but you know, I was invited by people running this to give an interview. I don't really like to give interviews, so I told the journalist and I thought the Independent was a terrible newspaper. <laughs> Give us a good 30 minutes or so to open it up and let people ask what they want. 
Um, the range of questions is broad. I mean, it could be about it's just technically the screen problem of the triptych. So we could talk about, in a certain sense, field day on the screen. This is you guys are sort of field day people in a way. He signed you up for the for the for the, for the field day production up in Derry. Um, uh, field day on the screen. I was going to ask you before about whether. Jordan's films are some way coincidence that the crying game come out of field day in any way. We could talk about that or we could not talk about that. Or we could talk about Brexit itself, we could talk about this film, we could talk about the, like, the poetics of this film, which is part of its cultural intervention. Um, so I thought maybe I would just throw it open now and see uh, what kind of questions we got. Someone 
Um, I just wanted to ask, and I think it's wonderful that the film went viral and that lots of people saw it therefore. Um, but it's a once-off 15-minute film. Brilliant, but once. What's the next one? <laughs> uh, shouldn't the FT be wanting to do another five? It's all getting serious now. Um, well, Stephen has permission to produce a film for the 2020 Field Day extravaganza. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, actually, the first thing Field Day did with with Claire was a play called Farewell, which was, um, you know, was based about the end of the troubles a man has. Is in hiding because he's uh, he's betrayed his fellows, and um, I, I, and I just find it, it was incredible as he looked into his conscience. Uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't political. It was about something political, but I just find it, it was just incredible. And then actually, some stupid critic said, uh, "Why would a young woman?" bother with this stuff, you know. I thought, I, I mean, really and truly, you know, I was a woman who said that, by the way. And I thought, Jesus Christ, you know. Um, and we, we did a reading of it in London, and of course none of the theatres in particular were interested. And I, I couldn't believe it, and I went, I went home and read it in tears again. And then I, and I said, I'm just going to do it myself. And then with this, you know, this is, I think this is a piece of perfection as a, as a, a piece of art in terms of its concerns and its delivery and everything in it. So I was commissioning Claire to do a play, and then I suddenly had this, um, you know, I just thought, why don't we do a film? Um, it doesn't have to be like a narrative for the film, it doesn't have to be. Um, a ghastly American film plot everywhere. I'm still in the middle of writing a ghastly American film. I don't know where I'm in some. It can be whatever it is, that's all I'm saying. But it just, then it would have ideas and poetry, and it be a film. And maybe um, Juliet would direct it. And, we have a couple of drone shots. So I want to do that for next year, but because it's been commissioned in the context of that, it will inevitably have something to say about our, our refusal to be with all of the people of the world in a reasonable way. Juliet is the person from the Financial Times who directed Art Gordon. Can you say a little bit about her direction? Um, probably better for you as yeah. the actor. No, I just I, I just loved her. She was fantastic. You know, I don't always like directors. <laughs> um, I thought she was incredibly sensitive, incredibly clear about the language, incredible about what she wanted to say. And when I finished the bit, all of spoken, but I went away incidentally going to see my friends over in Critch Island and I on my way back I went across that bridge again 
in there was two men still picking up shots and drones and I thought she was brilliant. And I also think if the, if the Financial Times is advising you not to vote for Brexit, why would you go for Brexit? <laughs> if the Financial Times. <laughs> the title of our panel this morning was The Radical Middle. <laughs> we were talking uh, this afternoon, you and I, Stephen, about um, the oral performance of poetry, and you said you've gotten some advice from. Uh, Samuel Beckett about reading, which was uh, never mind the meaning, focus on the rhythm. Don't think about rhythm. Don't think about meaning, think about rhythm. That's a better rhythm. So I just wanted to ask a question about your respect to the director, mainly, although Claire's language has its own rhythmic quality, which is part of what makes it work. this is a hard thing to talk about, I'm sure, but I think it might be worth it. Um, can you say something about how the rhythm of that film gets established? Because it's, it strikes me as a, it, it rhythmically successful, both in, its, both in, the, in your language and in the way the, the montage works, the way the cutting works. Stephen walks across the, yeah. Yeah, sort of this way, and yeah. back this yeah. way. I think that is a hard one because we need, need Juliet here to talk about that and the director of photography because they did so brilliantly marrying up the words with whether they were there and how they did it. And, um, and I haven't put the word wing or wing, but they still got wing. But I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, did, did you have a process with Juliet when you were talking through? Things, or did they just find the locations for you to stand and speak there? Yeah, but. Experts, they are Yeah. Well, I just did what I was told. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she was so great. Yes, yes. The soft was so great. The guys were tremendous. Lends itself to that because there's the beautiful bridge, a river, um, you know, that bus stop, which is lovely. And our director of photography turned out to be horse whisperer as well, so when there were wild horses coming too close, he's able to shoot And it was just, it sort of just worked itself in a way. I don't think Juliet had a clear idea of what she was going to do before she got there because she. One of my favorite sequences in the film is the comes to the moment where you say, um, sometimes magic is what you don't see. Um, and, that, and that's everyday life after 1998. And then it, that's, that's rhythmic too, because you get that sense of the, the rhythms of ordinary life uh, in, the, in the background. Um, I thought that was really nice to manage. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not theoretical, it's just look, it's just yeah. Let's see if we've got another question. Here's one. We've got a couple people. And I, I loved the film, and I thought it was powerful and simple and honest and true and direct. And I would love everyone in Britain to hear to see it and hear it. And I feel 
urgent about it. The, you know, to say 2020 is the day of the doomsday. And now it needs to be seen, it needs to be seen in the same way that we watch the debates in Parliament. And some politician stands up and says X, and we're all quoting it to each other at the dinner table that night. Is, is this film, is BBC going to show it? Like, is, is, how, how do we make it heard? Because the perspective is so true and so real and so simple. That's what's not being heard at all in anything I'm seeing on the news or anything. And I, 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 is there an answer to that question? <laughs> <laughs> That's really lovely of you to say that. Thank you. Um, it went down um, to the Parliament of and then apparently, I think, two million people watched it in various platforms. Um, and do we think RT showed it? They did show it. But in the way of these things, it sort of you know, puffs up and then it dies down because so many other things take its place. So I don't know, I suppose this is good because Maybe you'll get another life. You're preaching yes, to the conversion. Yes, we really are, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. There's no answer. Yeah, let's feel like fire. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, is that you know? Is it too surprising? We say of the uh, government and spokespeople's reactions and understanding in relation to the border in Northern Ireland, when that has been fairly consistent over uh, centuries in, in relation to Ireland. Um, but they're probably not alone. Um, coming a little bit closer to time and uh, the Good Friday Agreement which for most, I think, on the island of Ireland uh, were very supportive of and have been very supportive of. But it would appear, my sense of it is, that both governments took their, uh, their interest away from uh, what was happening in Northern Ireland and eventually led to the, um, the ending of the uh, executive and, and creating a certain amount of tension there. Also, during 2015 and 2016, I had a particular interest in the border and Northern Ireland, and I wanted to make a response to it. Because one of the things I noticed at the time, that despite the uh, great publicity and activity in relation to commemorations here of pivotal historical events, there was practically no focus on the border whatsoever. Even though there was activities there and commemorations, because this was the one country was at the time 100 years ago, but there was, and I think it was deliberately done, because even in historical and some cultural events conferences, it was not wanted to be engaged in. Yes, and that was part of my response was to be in relation to that, why that was, and and uh, for my own for my own particular artistic response. But when it came to Brexit, it was almost instantaneous the response. And that really, underneath it, while I completely understand the hard bother and no deep brexit on the, the consequences, but really that's quite revealing of what the interest is in the people of Northern Ireland, on both sides. And remember, it's often trotted out that it's an English nationalistic response. For the most part, in the four, in the four areas, 
Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and, and England. We're talking about in between 10%, between a no and a yes. So it's fairly widespread, the view. And in my view, there's nothing wrong with being quite critical of the EU. Because some people want to leave the EU. Some people want to leave the UK. There's legitimate reasons. I could, you know, uh, mention a number. What people do, as in any conflict or unexpected situation in its life, is how we respond to it. But here, unfortunately, there seems to be pretty much a, a one-view acceptable in relation to it. Particularly in the arts and culture community, politics is slightly different. People have to, um, you know, put forward their positions strongly and so on and so forth. But in the arts and culture, so we understand better, rather than repeat uh, old patterns. Thank you. More of a comment than a question. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm very, very aware of it when they uh, select what, what they commemorate, you know, and uh, I think the whole time question of 1916 is done in a very minimized way, you know, it's the foundation of the state. Um, it was um, not as violent as a lot of other things have been. The First World War that surrounded it was far more violent, and then um, the 400 years that preceded it was pretty violent in this country. I don't see why you wouldn't acknowledge uh, the people that gave their lives for independence. Um, um, maybe you don't want independence, but I do. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. And I would, um, like to see the North moving slowly and peacefully towards that, to enjoy the yeah. What? That's not what I asked about. I was bringing up the actual commemoration. I can't hear you, sorry. Yeah, I, think, I think we've got a microphone. I think, I think we're going to do the next question now. We'll, we'll, we'll follow up later, okay? Um, I have a question as a question. Um, I actually want to ask a question about the tone of the film. Going back to that question about anger that we discussed earlier. The thing that jumped out at me was not so much the direct response to Toby Young, but the line, and forgive me, I'm not going to get it verbatim, uh, but when we took down the barriers, we didn't think we were doing it temporarily. When we you know, smashed the concrete and burned the wood. And at the way the film opens, I, the, the tone I heard was one of the sort of uh, incredulous pissed offness. I can't believe these comments are so removed from the, the whole uh, lack of acknowledgement of the border in the Brexit debate, so divorced from reality. But then I thought more about that, the setting, which is beautiful, but there is also this somber undercurrent, and I wonder if you would agree, there's also a sense uh, of impending catastrophe. Yeah, I think you analyzed well the feelings. And the sort of, I suppose, the mixture of feelings about disinformation um, plus um, feeling incredulous that this huge event in my lifetime, uh, which was the Good Friday Agreement, which we were just sort of like carefully. It just felt like, as a, as a whole society in North, we were tiptoeing away from the Good Friday Agreement, like year on year, saying, oh, 
it's still it's still there, you know, it's still okay, you know, it hasn't fallen going around our ears, right? We've got one year, two years, yes, it's still still there. And then you get ten years in and you sort of think, yeah, that's it, and you're moving on, and then suddenly, twenty years in, you think, oh no, this was just an expedient move, or what you know, you, you ask, is it was that an expedient move? by politicians to clear up the Good Friday problem and move on and then but they've just kept all the pieces that they can really and, and that's I think that's the, the the question you're asking a question. One is asking a question but I don't have the feeling of impending doom because that seems to be some some suddenly a foregone conclusion you didn't know. Um, that as you walk away from the Good Friday agreement you round a corner and suddenly here we are, and it's all back to the beginning again. And yeah, there's a feeling of the doom is not foregone, but we're kind of trying to paint it and say this is what they have. I'll come to Luke in a second. I just want to ask as a follow-up whether you wrote what you wrote knowing that Stephen would read it. Yes. Because <laughs> your voices are yes. so different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was in my mind. Uh, yes, yes. Well, just probably uh, relating it, excuse me, to the earlier discussion about field day and pamphleteering. When Trump was in Ireland a few weeks ago, he suddenly found common cause with the Taoiseach. He said, I believe you have a border problem too. <laughs> and, and our Prime Minister once made sense. He said, well, we were trying to take down the border. You were trying to raise it. And Trump said, oh, that's a big difference. I didn't realize that there was a slight problem with what we have in common. But in fact, that came up at earlier discussions that borders are for crossing. Border crossings is what is important about a border. And borders are for our bridges, and I think that notion of the border as a bridge and the border as something for crossing, as against borders for checking and for blocking. And that tension is well caught in the film, I think, because of just a kind of intersection, just the bridge going one way and the river going another way. And then there are shots of Stephen by the river. And so the shots are at right angle, this intersection as well as contact. And I thought that was very well brought up. But the link to what we were talking about earlier has to do with the notion of the pamphlet as an intervention in public debate and in current affairs. Because one of the ideas behind Field Day's reliance on the pamphlet in the beginning of its publication projects was taken from Jonathan Swift. Edward Said had written a remarkable article on the pamphlet as a form of journalism that has, a, has no sell-by date. The difference between the pamphlet and the column in the newspaper is that the, the column in the newspaper may indeed be well-written, and indeed is quite some journalists obviously well-written, but the pamphlet is a very distinctive kind of writing in which the language draws attention to itself and it becomes ritual and that's exactly what you've done Claire 
in the piece. You have it, even though it's journalism of a kind, and even though it's an intervention, it's an intervention that has a longer shelf life than its immediate seminal date. And that was the way Swift conceived of the pamphlet that this pamphlet will live on even when the issue is maybe momentarily resolved or addressed. Edmund Burke had the same attitude towards pamphlets. We still read those pamphlets, even though the issues, the, the water has flowed by them long ago. So I thought the, the, that what's remarkable about the film is applies as much to Mexico, American border. It applies to Syria. It, it applies to other border conflicts, and particularly to the edges of Europe, where the conflict zones are taking place. So I think in that sense, the, the film, through the richness of its language, thanks to you, Claire, and thanks to Stephen's performance, it, it's almost doing visually what the pamphlet was trying to do in kind of publishing terms. And I suppose online access and publication, in inverted commas, allows that as well. In other words, you're not applying, you're not relying on broadcasting or the mainstream media. Important in all as that is. So in that sense, I really think it's remarkable rethinking of the pamphlet in a digital age. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. Said, said that Swift was driven by the occasion. The occasion is really important for in Said's account of Swift, but driven by the occasion, but not limited to the occasion. And I think that's exactly the way this went. I think we have one more. We have maybe one more question. I think I'm going to. Yes, thank you. I think actually, uh, I take a lot of hope and encouragement out of your film and the reaction we've had here this afternoon. As a British girl resident in Ireland for 20 years and having done a year in Derry before that, I find it very interesting that every person here wants the best. And having just got back from the UK, I was shocked because I expected some of my friends and family to be pro-Brexit. Their reaction is just the same as ours. So out of that, I thank you for the hope, and I hope you can maybe get along with Love Island. And I think that we'll get it out to a whole load of new people. If not, we need to make it into an hour, because the BBC package everything in that. So I think Love Island is the way to go. Stephen and Bikini. Hi, um, I also wanted to say thank you, so you still in my point, but I wondered as a journalist, Claire, because one of the problems of living in the UK and having to listen to some of this stuff at the moment is that it's often done through shouty tweets and the 24-hour journalism cycle leaves no space. And one of the things that I really loved about the film was it was a sense of stillness to it, a kind of meditation. Uh, as well as being a kind of pamphlet. So I just wondered if you wanted that particular form because of the way that the debate is or isn't being carried out at the moment. Well, I suppose the form was offered to me, but I really enjoyed it because um, I don't like social media, so even though that's kind of critical to say, I'm not on social media, but I have it to thank for the film going viral, so I'm a difficult spot. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel that there isn't enough stillness and 
and leave the act very quickly to things if, if, we're on, if we have the ability and the form to dash out an opinion that we can garner within two seconds and tell everybody. Um, so, yeah, I feel that there's a place for a little bit of reflection and quiet. And, um, and also, I've moved away from journalism per se now. Um, so, and luckily, luckily, I don't have to kind of engage in the same way. But, but what I really like about this form is that you can journalism become something else where you're documenting what's happening, but in a, in a different way. If that answers the question. So partly for your sakes, but also partly for Stephen's, since he's on again at uh, 5.40, I'm implying a priority in adding five minutes to our coffee break uh, without objection. Uh, but not before we thank Claire uh, and Stephen, not only for the panel uh, discussion for this afternoon, but for the beautiful film in the first place and the great cultural intervention. Thank you both.